This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. It's Friday. We are doing board review questions. Yesterday was so good with our expert, though, wasn't it? Michelle is phenomenal. A star. Uh, she's a star. <laughs> she's a star. And it's funny because um, I anticipated she would be amazing based on, on her work and what she posts on Twitter. But you never know like when you're going to talk to a person. <laughs> and, and it's like completely <laughs> exceeded my expectations. Like so, yeah. so, such a good educator, breaking down the concepts in a very easy way. I really liked it. Anyway. To the questions. To the questions. I'm going to start. That's okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we're going to fluid electrolytes, nutrition, and renal question number 12. Remember, we are taking most of our questions from the Brodsky and Martin Q&A book. I think it's the third edition that we're using, and um, they're great if you're studying for the boards. Can't recommend them yeah. enough. All right, Daphna, a one-week-old newborn has a non-anion gap metabolic acidosis. Uh-oh. But uh, uh. Is, other, is otherwise stable in room air. After infectious and metabolic testing is negative, the possibility of renal tubular acidosis is considered. All of the following statements about type 1 and type 2 RTA are correct, except choice A. Both type 1 and type 2 RTA are associated with nephrocalcinosis. Choice B. The diagnosis of type 1 RTA is confirmed by a high urine pH. Choice C, type 1 RTA is associated with a defect in renal acid secretion, and type 2 is related to abnormal renal bicarbonate reabsorption. Choice D, type 1 RTA is basically caused by a problem in the distal tubule as compared to type 2 RTA, which is typically associated with a proximal tubule abnormality. And last, choice E, type 2 RTA can be transient in newborn because of short-lived failure of bicarbonate reabsorption in the proximal convoluted tubule. Well, that was a convoluted question, but let's uh, see if we can... Uh, uh, I wish... Do I have... Do... <laughs> yeah, where's the... You ready? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's your joke for the day. A mom <laughs> joke, if you will. Uh, okay. So we just have to, we just had, you know, when you follow, get these questions on the test, you just kind of like walk them one at a time. Don't get, don't get distracted. So both type one and type two are associated with nephrocalcinosis. So we learned that type one, O-N-E, has stones, but type yeah, two does not. Yeah, you have no <laughs> so, excuse. I mean, so you get listeners. no excuse. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm going to say A is incorrect. And I, I imagine you were going to tell me why all of the others are correct. <laughs> Absolutely. So you're right. Both type 1 and type 2 RTAs are not associated with kidney stones. So um, let's go over the RTAs. This is a great first question to review the different types. Renal tubular acidosis is a cause of a non-anion gap metabolic acidosis. And there's generally... 
three types that we like to talk about, type one, type two, type four. We discussed yesterday with Dr. Star why type three is, quote, not a thing. So that's why we're skipping type three. But type one, which is the distal RTA, and it's called type one because it was the first to be discovered, is associated with a defect in acid secretion in the distal tubule. Type 2, which is the proximal form of RTA, is associated with a defect in bicarbonate reabsorption in the proximal tubule. And type 4, which is the hyperkalemic hypoaldosteronism, is associated with aldosterone deficiency or insensitivity. And that's what Dr. Starr yesterday was talking about when she said, like, if you're having a hyperkalemic RTA, she means type 4. So the, diagno the diagnosis of RTA can be confirmed by a high urine pH in the setting of a non-anion gap metabolic acidosis. The pH is typically over 6.5 in type 1 and high or low in type 2 RTA, i.e. 7.6 or more. Type 1 RTA can be attributable to autosomal dominant and recessive forms. The recessive form can be associated with hearing loss, and we talked about that on Tuesday. Type 2 RTA can occur transiently in premature intermittence as a result of immaturity of renal bicarbonate reabsorption. Dr. Starr explained that to us very well. And there are other types of type 2 RTA that can be associated with autosomal uh, genetic conditions, including Fanconi syndrome. Type 1 RTA is the only RTA typically associated with nephrocalcinosis. And the cause of the nephrocalcinosis is, um, I guess, unknown, but most likely associated with increased bone breakdown and calcium release to help buffer the extra acid. And we did talk about that on Wednesday, um, especially in relation to um, in relation to the citric, uh, the, uh, the citric acid, right? I mean, we, uh, we did talk about that. So mm -hmm. you know, great job. And oh. moving on to question two. Okay, so uh, next we're going to do fluids, electrolytes, nutrition, and renal question 27. This is going to be a tough one because I'm not making it A, B, C, D, E. You're just going to have to write down, free freehand the answer. An infant has a primary metabolic acidosis caused by a proximal renal tubular acidosis type 2. What should the urine profile look like in this infant in regards to the following electrolytes? Um, hydrogen ions, bicarb, pH, and potassium. Okay, so let's do what Dr. Starr said. Take a deep breath. <laughs> Type 2 RTA is the proximal version of the RTA, which means that we're not really reabsorbing bicarbonate. And so we should see an elevated bicarbonate level in the urine. In terms of in terms of your pH and your H plus, you mentioned that to us on Tuesday that because it's proximal, you still get one more chance at doing right by your metabolism and acidifying your urine distally, which means that technically in the distal convoluted tubule you should be able to release H plus ions. So I'm assuming that could potentially be high, and then in terms of the pH, it should be low right? Because we want to get rid of this acid. And then finally, the potassium, oh, the potassium should be, oh, come on, Ben. I'm going to say high. Okay. I'm going to yeah. say high. Okay. That's right. <laughs> okay. Phew. Phew. 
So just like you said, type 2, which is the proximal RTA, is really a consequence of being um, unable um, to reabsorb bicarbonate in the proximal tubules. So you spill it. So just like you said, high, um, high bicarbonate output. Um, so you may think that you might expect it to be very alkaline, the urine, but like you said, you get that second chance to acidify the urine um, in the distal tubule. So you can have normal to high um, hydrogen, a normal to low pH, and then like you said, um, high potassium. So uh, as a reminder, it can also uh, type two can be primary uh, genetics, uh, autosomal recessive or dominant or secondary, where we see it in um, preterm infants or infants with other syndromes like Fanconi, low um, cystinosis or tyrosinemia. Um, and as a reminder, type two RTA can be treated with the administration of base or buffer in the form of bicarbonate or citrate. Very good. Moving on. Mm -hmm. You ready? Mm -hmm. Okay, Daphna. Question 39. That's a true or false. That's not fair. All right, fine. Renal tubular acidosis can be a transient development problem in the neonate and young infant. You kind of said that already. So really, nobody I know, but this was, an, this was an important question, I think. And yep. the answer is definitely true. Okay, that is correct. Um, type 2 RTA associated with diminished bicarbonate reabsorption in the proximal tubule is a transient developmental problem in the neonate and the young infant. Term infants may have a mild RTA with serum bicarbonate concentrations of 20 to 24 MEQs per liter. And if preterm infants are affected, serum bicarb concentration may be as low as 15. Uh, this transient failure of bicarbonate reabsorption usually improves progressively during infancy. And we did speak to Dr. Starr about that as well. Okay. Last question. Last question. Okay. Um, which of this get this question actually gets to another point that Dr. Starr mm -hmm. totally that was so answered. Good, that so, yeah. I know. So thank you for reviewing all of the answers. Um, which of the following disorders is the most likely to be on the differential diagnosis when working up an infant with renal tubular acidosis? Is it a, a sepsis with elevated lactate, B, uh, salicylate exposure, C, methylmalonic acidemia, D, diarrhea, or E, congenital heart disease? So I forgot, actually, I forgot what is the new mnemonics that she used, but these are like the mud piles, right? That's right. That I remember from step one. So all these are basically describing, except D, diarrhea, are describing the introduction of lactate or some other sort of uh, things that are going to mess up your anion gap. So that's an easy one. Um, uh, congenital heart disease, lactate, all that stuff is not going to give you uh, a normal anion gap. So D, diarrhea. And she did mention that yesterday. So yeah. thank you, Dr. Starr. So as a reminder, RTA is a non-anion gap acidosis. And that's what she said. They get called all the time for acidosis, but it's almost always anion gap. So for an RTA, it's non-anion gap. Diarrhea typically also presents as a non-anion gap acidosis since acid-based derangement is secondary to GI loss as a bicarbonate, just like an RTA. All of the others on the list tend to present with metabolic acidosis that has an anion gap, either from lactate or the elevation of other acids like ketones. So, so actually I found it. So the mud piles we know, right? It's methanol, mm. uremia, DKA, uh, paraldehyde, iron isoniazide, lactic acid, ethanol, ethylene glycol, diethylene glycol, 
and salicylates. But she was mentioning mm-hmm. Goldmark, um, mm-hmm. which is the one she mentioned, which involves glycols, oxoprolines, lactate, delactate, methanol, aspirin, renal failure, slash uremia, and ketoacidosis. Um, I'm going to stick with mud piles for now. Yeah, I mean, it's like, they're like, it's like the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, she said that this was the trend in the nephro world now. Gold mark is it's trending, you know? Had to mix it up. <laughs> just had to mix it up. Um, all, right. all right. This was fun, Daphna. Um, thank you very much. And I have a topic for our next Neo review. Oh, do you? Yeah. I think this was <laughs> this is a topic that's going to be a popular one because I think people are struggling with that. Uh, are you ready for it? Are you, yeah, you're going to tell us? I'm going to tell you. And then you tell me what you think. Definitions of BPD. Oof. What? I think... Yeah, okay. All right. I think, I think there's a lot of... I think people know the 2001 definition, but there's all these things that came up, the physiologic definition, the Jensen. Do even people know that there was a NIH 2018 definition? Um, and so maybe we can review that and how they how they all came up with these different definitions. I think that would be helpful. Yeah, no, I think that would be really helpful. Yeah. Sounds okay. good. Let's do it. All right, Daphna, have a good weekend then. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nicupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUPodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.